Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you took the time to listen to this message. We're in the second part of our series called Heart Problems. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. worship team thank you guys so much everyone tuning in online we are so happy that you guys could join us this morning i know i've said it before but there are literally a million things in the world that you could be doing but you guys chose to be with us that morning so we just want to thank you we want to thank you for your participation in the comments and uh, just keep it going uh, so awesome just the, the feedback that we've had online it's been cool we've seen people all the way from bc to Ontario. We even had a few people from the U.S. tune in, so we love you guys. Thank you guys for being here, and uh, hey, if you're here this morning, you're new to Kingdom Church, or if Kingdom Church is home, I want to remind you one thing that I love to say. I say this. I say, Kingdom Church, if you're a Christian, everyone listen, if you're a Christian, I say, Kingdom Church is not for you. Now, I'll explain it. What I, I say, Kingdom Church, if you're a Christian, is not for you. It may feed you. You may enjoy it, but it's not for you. What I mean by that is Kingdom Church exists for those who are far from Jesus to find hope in Jesus. And so I say all of that to say, right here, right now, we believe that God can change lives. And if God has changed your life, we want right now to encourage you, hey, what if God wants to use you now to change someone else's life? And we just think it's easier than ever. And so right now, or maybe after this message, if God puts someone on your heart, if there's someone that you feel like needs to hear this message, man, we want to encourage you. It's never been easier to invite someone to church. It's a click away. It's a share away. So just encourage you, really encourage you guys with that. Let's invite someone to church this morning or this afternoon or whenever this message finds you. Um, As we get started, I want to read a passage of scripture this morning. I believe that God is going to I'm going to speak to us, excuse me. And so before I get to the verse, it's found in 1 John chapter 1. I'll give you guys a second to look it up. But before I read it, in the comments right now, I need to make sure you're there. And so right now, if you're ready for what God's about to do, just type, I'm ready. I'm waiting. I can't see it, but I'm waiting for the first I'm ready. Okay, I see it. Maybe. We'll find out later. 1 John chapter 1, going to read this verse, kind of set the backdrop of where we're going. It says this. It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Come on, somebody. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I want to give our message this morning a title and I want to call our message this morning, God of the Turnaround. God of the Turnaround. Uh, It's interesting, I was reading um, a study a number of months back and I found it really fascinating. There was a survey taken at Harvard University and in this survey, uh, the people gave to the students at the university, they gave them two options, option A and option B, and they said they need to choose between the two options. Now, what option A said was this, you would be able to make $50,000 a year. That was option A. Option B said, you have the uh, opportunity to make $100,000 a year. And so the survey was quite simple. Choose between option A or option B. Do you want to make $50,000 a year or $100,000 a year? 
Now, for all of us watching at home right now, we're probably thinking to ourselves, well, that's pretty easy, like option B, more money, come on, somebody. But there was one caveat in this uh, survey. In option A, you would make $50,000, but every single person around you would make $25,000. Whereas in option B, you'd be making $100,000, but everyone else around you would be making $200,000. Everyone following? And so what's interesting about this survey, if you guys can believe it or not, the majority of people actually chose option A. They said, I'd rather take less money if it means that I made more money than the people around me. And so it was, it was really interesting. What this survey came to figure is that the people in this story, they chose what was not better in absolute terms, but they chose what was better in relative terms. In other words, I don't really care if I'm making more money, I just care what I look like compared to the people around me. I don't really care about the end, I just care about what I look like. And so as I read this study, I came to this interesting conclusion myself, which was that people would rather actually take something that was worse for them if it meant that they looked better in comparison to the people around them. It was super interesting. I want us to keep that study in mind. We're in the second part of our series that we're beginning here at church online called Heart Problems, Breaking Free from the Four Emotions That Control Us. Now, if you guys were with us last week, um, I just want to encourage you, if you were with us, thank you guys for being there. But if you weren't with us, this is something I wouldn't normally do if we were all together, but the beauty of being online is that I can do this. If you were not here last week, I want to encourage you to leave this message right now. Hope you enjoyed the worship. It was amazing. But I want to encourage you, go to YouTube and check out part one, because I think part one sets the backdrop for everything that we're going to be doing in this series. Now, for those of us, if you were with us last week, thank you for being with us. Thank you for coming back. But what we said last week was this. We said that uh, the part one of our series was setting the backdrop for everything that we did. And if you're with us last week, kind of our main idea, if we could put it so simply, we said the main idea is that you and I are messed up. We got problems. I got problems and you got problems. And so what we said is that for a lot of us though, although we have problems, although we have issues, it's easier to kind of try to avoid them. It's easier to pretend like we have nothing wrong with us. And so what we said last week is that we have to look at the broader issues in our lives before we can get into anything specifically. Because if we don't think that we have issues broadly, we'll never be able to get into anything specifically. And if you're still here, you haven't seen part one, leave. I love you. But that was part one. And so this morning, what we're doing, this morning, I want to get specific. Last week was broad. This morning, we're getting specific. And so what we said for this series, that this series has um, kind of a verse that we're calling our theme verse, and it's found in Proverbs chapter four. This is what it says. It says, Proverbs four, verse 23, it says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. And so what we're doing in this series is we are putting practical steps in place in order that we can learn how to guard and protect our hearts. And so last week was very broad. This week, we're getting specific. And so what we said is that there are four things, four enemies of our hearts that can be actually become blocks for us. And there are these. It's guilt, 
anger, greed, and jealousy. These are the four things, the four blocks in our lives that can actually begin to change our hearts. And so what we're going to do every single week is we're going to break these down one by one in the next coming weeks. Um, and, and so what we said is this, and I'll, I'll say this again. Um, the issue, the, uh, I should say the idea for this series and a lot of the themes that we're going to talk about came from an amazing book called Enemies of the Heart by Andy Stanley. And so I'd encourage you guys to check it out because it's so good. And so what we're going to do is we're kind of going to examine these themes. We're going to examine these emotions because what we're going to see over the next four weeks is these emotions in our lives, if we leave them unchecked, in other words, if we do nothing about them, each and every one of them carries a debt. Each and every one of them carries a weight that will begin to grow and grow and grow. The problem for so many of us is we never actually stop and look and acknowledge that we actually struggle with these things. Now, I understand that every single one of us has different struggles. Every single one of us will have things that are harder um, for us than for other people. But the reality, I believe to be true, is that each and every one of us struggle with one of these things, many of these things. And like I said, the reality is that every single one of them carry a debt with them. And so these are the four debts, these are the four things, and here are the four debts that come along with them. Guilt has a debt that says, I owe you. Anger says, you owe me. Greed says I owe me and jealousy says God owes me. And so what happens in our lives, if we leave these emotions unchecked, we said this last week, everything that's in us, if we do not begin to check it, it's eventually going to come out. And so what happens is these things left in our lives become greater and greater debts. Guilt says I owe you, anger you owe me, so on and so forth. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to specifically look at guilt. We're going to come back to anger and jealousy in the coming weeks, but this morning we are spending our time in guilt. Guilt says, I owe you. You see, what's interesting, and the reason I shared that study with us is because what that study was telling us is that we are so concerned about what people think about us, we are so concerned about the perception of other people that we will actually do things that are detrimental to our own well-being if it means that our self-image remains high, if people can see us in, in a good light. And so we're going to see this as we unpack this morning, but perhaps no other emotion affects us the way that guilt affects us, especially when it comes to other people. Now, I want to understand guilt because before we can realize um, that guilt is in us, before we can realize how we can actually overcome guilt, we need to first understand what guilt is. Now, in the comments right now, I want you guys to participate because this is, should be 100% participation. If you have ever felt guilty about anything in your life at any time, just raise your hand. You can raise a hand emoji, you can give a thumbs up, you can say a yes. If you've ever felt guilty, let us know. Because here's what I believe to be true. In our lives, every single one of us at some point has felt guilt. And now, for anyone that's ever feel guilt, felt guilty, the reason that we feel guilty is because we perceive that we have done something wrong. We, we've done something wrong. Every single one of us can acknowledge the reason I feel guilty is because I have done something wrong. Now, what I want to see this morning, because what we said, if we can just go back to one, uh, one slide for a second, we said that guilt brings along with it a debt that says, I owe you. Now, I want us to be able to understand this because what happens, and, and we're going to break this down, but every single time we feel guilty, 
what we can say, what we can bring it back to is an act of theft. Anytime we have done something in our lives that has made us feel guilty, the reason we feel guilty is because we have stolen something from someone. Now, some of us are like, hold on one sec, pastor. I've never stolen anything from anyone. I'm going to break this down because I want us to understand it. Guilt says, I owe you. And the reason you owe someone is because you stole something from them. I'll explain it like this. For anyone that knows, maybe you've been... um, church online lately, you're part of our church. One thing you know is that I'm absolutely hilarious. Like I'm the funniest guy you guys have ever seen for a lot of you. Uh, It's a joke, calm down. But uh, one thing, because like I like to joke, I like to have fun. uh, One thing that happens in my life is that I'll often make jokes um, at the expense of other people's feelings. Like I kind of have this thing where like, if I know it's a good joke, if I know it's going to hit, like even if it may hurt, like I got to just say it because you know, like that laugh is just so good. And I'm getting better. The Lord's working, controlling my tongue. But if there's one thing in my life that causes me to apologize more than anything else, it's when I make fun uh, of people or I make jokes at other people's expense. And it's funny because every single time something happens, if I make a joke at someone's expense and they feel bad, they feel hurt. Do you know the very first thing that I say to myself? I say, I owe them an apology. I owe you an apology. Now, why would I owe them something? The only reason you owe someone anything is if you've taken something from them. And so you see, what we're going to see when it comes to guilt is that every single act of guilt can come down, come back to this idea of theft. You see, in the example that says, man, I made fun of you and now I owe you an apology, the reason I owe you an apology is because I've taken something from you. I've taken your self-dignity. I've taken your self-respect. I've taken something from you and therefore... I owe you something. You see, every single time in our lives when we feel guilty, it comes back to this larger idea that I owe you. Now, for any of us that have ever done anything in our lives that make us feel guilty, we know that feeling that comes along with guilt, the feeling that is associated with guilt. It sucks. It's a weight. We feel heavy. And so if every single thing that that is connected to guilt can be connected to theft, why do we do it? That's the main question we need to ask. Why do we do it? If if we know the consequences, why do we do it? Here is what I believe to be true. The reason that we do anything, the reason that we will steal is because we don't see anything other than what we will gain for ourselves. I need us to follow this. The reason that I will make a joke at someone else's expense, even if I know it might hurt their feelings, is because in the moment, the most important thing to me is that I can get the laughs, that I can get the attention. And so I don't even think about their feelings because all I'm thinking about is how I will benefit. Now, I want us to understand this, and we're going to have to take this in all different aspects of our lives, in whatever thing in our life causes us guilt. The reality of why we do things, why we put ourselves in situations, is because we are thinking about what we will gain. I want us to think for a moment for someone, let's just say it's a man or a woman that leaves their family. And, and after they leave their family, everything changes. And people on the outside, they ask themselves, oh my gosh, how could that person ever leave their family? Don't they see what they're doing? You see, the reason that anyone would ever leave their family is because they're thinking not what they'll lose, but they're thinking about what they will gain personally. 
Well, if I leave where I am now, I'm going to gain freedom. There's going to be something new there. There's going to be something there exciting, something I've never experienced before. And so the reason that we get ourselves into these situations is because we think about what we will gain. But what happens is this. The very first time the mother or father leaves and their children ask them, hey, how come you left? Why don't you love us? Immediately, the person that left begins to feel a sense of guilt. Why? Because the mother or the father has taken something from their family. They've taken security away from their children. They've taken financial stability. They've taken tradition. They've taken Christmas. Everything is going to change. The reason that we do it is because we never see what we will lose. And so what happens that moment when you feel that thing, when you understand loss, you begin to feel guilt because you owe them something. And that's how the process of guilt comes. We do something because we think we're going to gain. We actually lose. And when we lose, we're in a deficit. And we now owe someone something. Guilt says, I owe you. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to begin to release the guilt that weighs so many of us down. Because I know this to be true. Each and every one of us, we have things inside of us. We have a weight from guilt, a weight from shame that holds us down. It's a debt that needs to be paid. Now, for a lot of us, maybe it's not with anyone specific. For some of us, it's with God. This is how we feel with God. We feel like, man, like I owe God something. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. And so what happens is we begin to hide in shame and in guilt because we feel like we owe something that we cannot pay. And that's the nature of guilt. That's the nature of shame. You see, the reality for us is this. Our first defense when it comes to guilt, when we feel guilty, is to hide. If we feel like we owe someone something, our first defense, our natural reaction is to hide. If you go back to the book of Genesis, Genesis, the very first time Adam and Eve sinned, what do they do? They hide. Because the nature of guilt with guilt brings its brother shame. And shame causes us to hide. For anyone that's been out there before, you've owed someone something, or maybe someone owes you something. You know the reality of the situation. That person probably isn't going to come around much. Because they owe you something, and because they owe you something, they're filled with guilt. I'm taking a little while to suss this out because I want us to understand the, re, the, the way that guilt works. And I want us to understand the debt that's occurred. It says, I owe you. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to begin to realize, I want us to begin to see how we can actually experience freedom. Now, for a lot of us, when it comes to guilt, we think to ourselves, well, if I owe someone something... The solution to guilt should be pretty simple. I just have to pay them back, right? Like if I owe someone something, I pay them back. But one thing I've realized and one thing I want us to see and the nature of guilt and why it's so hard and why it can actually block our hearts is that there are many debts that we have in our lives that can never actually be paid off. For the absentee father, the absentee mother, I'll explain it like this. If you leave your family, you can never go back and tuck in your 13-year-old daughter. She's 21 now. And so it's literally a debt that cannot be paid. When you make fun of someone, and when you talk about someone, you can compliment them, you can build them back up, but the thing is this, you can never actually take away what you've done to them. It's there forever. And so this is the nature of guilt. It builds and it builds and it builds. And if you try to pay back 
what you have taken, there are many situations, I would even say most situations, that cannot be paid back. If you cheated someone five years ago, you can't pay them back today. If someone did something to you when you were a child, there's nothing that can be done to repair it today. And so this is how guilt works. But if we can't pay back guilt, if we can't pay back our solution, our our problems, then what is the solution? You see, this is what I believe to be true. When it comes to guilt, when it comes to these heart problems, the solution is probably one of the easiest things to do in, in reality, but it's one of the hardest things to do in actuality. You see, if guilt says, I owe you, then the solution to guilt is repentance. Guilt says, I owe you, the solution is repentance. The solution is not to pay it back. The solution is repentance. I want us to look at 1 John chapter 1 again. This is the verse we looked at the start. It says this. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This this is a promise from God. I need us to believe this. I need us to declare this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Come on, somebody. Now, I want us to understand this because for so many people, for a lot of us, the greatest guilt that we feel in our lives, it comes with God. It's like, man, God is so good. God is so great. I I would just never, I'm I'm just never going to be enough. I've messed up too many times. I have too many shortfalls. I have too much in my life. I'm just too messed up. Maybe, Maybe you guys have heard this one. Like, there's a reason I don't go to church. If I ever walked into church, man, I would burn up immediately because I'm just not enough. You know what that is? That's guilt. Because the nature of guilt, guilt causes us to hide. And guilt says, man, I owe you and I can't pay you back. But listen, here's the beauty of what 1 John is saying. And here's the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel is this. And I said this last week, but I'm going to repeat it this week. The beauty of the gospel is the gospel says you aren't good enough. You can't pay it back. But there is someone who did and his name is Jesus. And Jesus did not just pay your tab. Jesus paid it with interest because the Bible says that when we accept Jesus into our lives, get this, he doesn't just forgive us. He doesn't just purify us, but he actually makes us into the righteousness of Christ. You want to know what that means? That means that when God sees you, he doesn't even see your sin. He doesn't see your shortcoming. He actually sees Jesus. Come on, somebody, if you're awake, say amen. And the Bible says the only thing that we have to do to experience what God has for us in our lives, to experience that reprieve from guilt, is to confess our sins. It says repent and God will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Come on, somebody. It is so easy. You see, here's the thing about guilt. In order that the guilty party may be relieved, guilt, for the guilty party to be relieved of guilt, the debt must be paid or canceled. In order for the guilty party to be relieved of the guilt, the debt must be paid or canceled. Now, here's the thing we said about debt. We said the majority of things in our lives that cause us pain, that cause us hurt, we can't actually pay it off. You see, the reality when it comes to God, and I I need us to understand this because there are so many people, they have a picture of God that says, I have to do things in order to gain God's approval. I have to do things in order that God forgives me. Guess what? The debt that you owe to God is too great. 
There's literally nothing that you can do. There's no sacrifice. There's no ritual. There's nothing that you can do in order to pay that debt back. But the beauty of Jesus is that he's canceled the debt because Jesus paid it for us. Come on, somebody. I need us to understand the gospel. And I, and I hope in this time when we're together, people can begin to understand it, begin to understand what Jesus has done for you. You see, that's why I said this. I said that the, the, the solution to guilt is one of the easiest things to do because Jesus has already done it. Now, I had something at the end too. I said it's one of the easiest things to do in actuality but it's one, of the, it's one of the easiest things to do in reality, but it's one of the hardest things to do in actuality. Because what we need to understand when it comes to repentance is that repentance has two parts. You see, the reason that God can forgive us of our sins is because the Bible tells us that all sins are against God. And because all sins are against God, God has the power to forgive us. And the Bible tells us that if we call on his name, he will forgive us. But right now, I believe this to be true. There are people who are watching at home right now and you're saying, Harrison, I've repented time and time again. I've been on my knees. I've prayed that Psalm 51 prayer. God created me a clean heart. I've repented and yet I still feel guilty. Why? You see, what we need to understand is this. Although all sins are against God, not all sins are against God solely. You're like, what does that mean? You see, God has the power to forgive sin. And because God has forgiven sin, sin has lost its power in regards to heaven and hell. Your eternity is sealed if you believe in Jesus, if you call upon his name. But here's what you need to understand about debt. Just because Jesus has paid your debt, just because Jesus has cleared your tab, that doesn't mean that Jesus has cleared your tab with other people. I need us to see this. This is going to hurt a lot of us. You see, the reason that so many of us can repent and come to God and pray that prayer over and over and over again is because God forgives one half of the sin, but the other half of the sin for a lot of us is actually with someone else. There's another person. There's another party involved. And so here's the thing. When we confess to God, when we hurt someone else, God forgives us. But the other person that we actually did it to, it does nothing to them and nothing for them. And so I want us to see this because I think especially when it comes to Christians, we can kind of get caught up in this grace cycle where it's like, you know what, I, I'm going to do what I got to do and then I'll just pray for God to forgive me. And the beauty of God is that he's faithful and he will forgive you. But the reality is everything that we do has consequences. And so for so many of us, a lot of the things that we do that cause us guilt are actually against people and individuals. And so what that means for us is that if we want to begin to have freedom from guilt, we repent to God, absolutely. But number two is that we have to confess to each other. We have to confess to each other. If we want to be, he, look what it says in James chapter five, I want us to read this. He says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be, what's the word? Healed. You see, for a lot of people, it's like, man, I've been praying to God for so long and I still feel guilty. What's the issue? The issue is you're only doing one half of the equation. 
Can I tell you something? If you cheat someone out of something, if you steal from someone, and what we have established is that every act of guilt can be brought back to theft. If you have stolen something from someone, the reality is that you have to confess to them in order that you may be healed. You see, the solution to guilt has nothing to do with feelings. God's call in our lives, my call for this message is not for us to actually feel better. Because the call of God on our lives is not to feel better, it's for our lives and our relationships to be restored. What God wants to do is restore relationships. And so in order for us to do that, it's a two-pronged process. We confess to God, but we also have to confess and repent to other people, apologize the people that we have hurt. I'll explain it like this. Um, for those who don't know, Christy and I, um, we had brand new twins uh, five months ago. And so um, our lives are really busy uh, just in terms of them always running around. And so I tell you that to give you justification for the story I'm about to tell. Uh, Christy and I, we did a load of laundry this week. It had the girls' stuff and some of my stuff. Um, and we washed it in the washing machine three times. Now, the reason that we washed it in the machine three times was not because we couldn't get certain stains out or, or, or puke or drool or anything like that. Uh, the reality of why we had to do it three times was that every single time we did the load of laundry in the washer, we forgot to take it out. And so I'm, I'm not just saying like we left it for a couple hours, like each time we left it for like a day at a time. Now, I'll give you guys a little bit of a lesson in case you don't know what happens when you leave laundry in a laundry machine. Uh, for a long time, but it begins to stink. It begins to get musty. Uh, it actually smells like wet dog if you leave it in there long enough. And so what happened this last week is that we left it in there three times. And so we had to do the laundry cycle three separate times. Now you're like, why are you telling me this story, Harrison? This is really weird. I want us to see this. You see, the nature of the washing machine is that when you put the laundry in the washing machine and you put the detergent in and it goes through the cycle, your clothes are clean. Everyone following? But what happens if you don't do anything else, the clothes that were clean will actually cease to be clean. Lord have mercy. I don't know if they're getting this right now, but someday someone's going to look back and realize this message was in quarantine because my greatest sermon illustrations are about laundry. You see, what I'm trying to say is that the washing machine that made your clothes clean, that will purify your clothes, if that is the only thing you do and you leave it in there, after time goes on, the clothes are no longer clean. Come when it comes to repentance, listen to this. God will forgive us. God will justify us. God will purify us. But if we just stay at that step, we will cease to be clean. You see, when it comes to laundry, you have to take it out and you have to dry it. When it comes to repentance, because I believe this to be true, there are very few things in life that we do solely against God that make us guilty. Most of the things in our lives that cause us guilt have to do with other people, have to do with our problems, our secrets, our emotions. And so what happens is if we just leave it with God, God purifies us. But if we do nothing else, what happens is that our hearts don't actually change. I need us to see this. 
This is going to speak to someone that's been in a cycle where it's like, man, I sin, and then I pray to God, I do it again. I sin, I pray to God, I do it again. The reason that we get caught in this cycle is because repentance is not complete without confession to one another. James says, do this in order that you may be cleaned, healed. You see, if you have apologized to someone before, you know what is true. Once you bring something out to the, because here's the reality with praying to God, and it's very necessary. I don't want us to miss this. But when we pray to God in secret, in our room, when no one knows about it, that is the easy part of repentance. Because there's no real shame involved. It's just me and God, and God already knew exactly what I did. I'm just telling him again. But what happens when we bring something out into the light, when we have to confess to other people, for anyone that's ever apologized to someone about something, you will know there is probably nothing in life more humbling than going in front of someone and saying, I messed up. I fell short. I was wrong. Now listen, some of you guys just asked one verse, Harrison. Hold on, look at this one. This is going to bring us home. Matthew chapter 5, it says this. This is Jesus speaking, in case uh, anyone was wondering. Jesus says this. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, and first, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Now this, you need to understand this. You see, for, for a Jewish person, what Jesus is talking about is their, is their sacrificial system. In order for you to come to God, you have to bring them something. Now, if we were to take this into modern day terms and what Jesus is bringing to us as believers, this is what he's saying. It's, it's very clear. He's saying, if you're about to go and pray to God for forgiveness, if you're about to bring God something, but then you remember that you have something against someone, that you have done something to someone, that you have wronged someone, He says, stop praying, get off your knees, and go be reconciled. You see, this is the crazy thing about repentance. When it comes to what God wants to do, and and this, I think, can have the ability to change our perspective. What God is saying is that if we have done something against someone, asking God for forgiveness is the second thing we do. The first thing we do is that we go and restore the relationship with the person that we have offended with the person that we have wronged. You see, the reality is this, and what God, I believe to be true, what God is saying is saying, if you have a problem with people, you're gonna have a problem with God. Now, for some of us, there's this feeling that we have in our lives, it's this overwhelming guilt, and it's like, man, it holds me back in my relationships. It holds me back in my walk with God. That's that's the very nature of what guilt is. Guilt has the ability to break relationships, to ruin relationships, to build a barrier between us and God. And the solution is so simple. Can I say something? This message is not a, a theologically deep message. It's so simple. If we want to be restored, if we want that guilt in our lives to be alleviated, all we have to do is repent. All we have to do is go to the people that we have wronged and say, I need forgiveness. I messed up. I fell short. You see, as easy as this message is, the reality is this is very hard to actually do. You see, the reason 
that I shared that study at the start was because what that study told us is that for the majority of people, what's most important in their lives is not how they're doing actually, but it's how people perceive them. You see, for so many of us, the reason we're caught in this cycle of shame is because the things that we have in our lives that are causing us shame and are causing us guilt, we keep them in the dark. We try to hide them. Because we feel like if people knew the real me, if, if people knew how messed up I was, if people knew what I did behind closed doors, like they would never be able to respect me. But what I want to do in this message, what, I, what we're trying to do in this series, is we are trying to break free from the emotions that control us. And for so many of us, guilt has controlled us. It's caused barriers in our relationship with people, and it's caused barriers in our relationships with God. I want us to understand this. Repentance can be humbling. There's times it can even be humiliating. But I want to encourage everyone watching this, because right now we're in quarantine and you got nowhere to go. What if you were one conversation away from breakthrough? What if you were one conversation away from a relationship being restored and all you had to say is, I'm sorry. I messed up. I fell short. You see, here's what I believe to be true. The reason that we don't confess is because we think the pain of confession will be too great. Can, can I tell you what I believe to be true? The pain of suppression is actually so much greater than the pain of confession. Keeping things inside of us, trying to bury things deep, trying to keep up this image that I'm perfect, that I never met. The pain of suppression is so much greater than the pain of confession. But what our hearts tell us to do, what the enemy tells us to do is just push things down deep. Push it deep. You don't want people to know that about you. Don't confess. Don't confess. That's going to ruin your self-image. But what God is saying, what Jesus is saying this morning is, hey, you're one conversation away from breakthrough. Yeah, there's shame. Yeah, there's pain. It's going to be hard. It's hard to admit you're wrong. It's hard to admit you messed up. It's hard to admit that I owe you something. But the pain of suppression is so much greater than the pain of confession. Now listen to this, because I hope for a lot of us, it, this is stirring something in us. I hope our, we're beginning to think of that thing that we've had in my life, that, that person that I've been meaning to apologize, that secret that's been building and building, that shame that's been growing. Understand this, when we confess, when we repent to other people, we'll be healed. That's the promise. But guess what? There's also going to be pain associated with it. If there was no pain, we'd never do it. We would do it if there was no pain. If, if pain wasn't there, it'd be easy. But we know there's pain. We know there's heartbreak. We know that there's even humiliation. But here's what I want us to see. Confession has the potential to undermine my public respect. In other words, if I confess, this could actually change how people see me. But here's what I want us to see. My self-respect is far more important. The reason I'm going to confess, the reason I'm going to bring this out in the open is because although it could undermine my public respect, my self-respect is more important. My heart being healed, my heart being unblocked, that's what's most important. 
And so we confess our sins because God is faithful and just to forgive us. Now, some of us are saying, well, Harrison, I get it that God paid the debt. I get it that he'll forgive me, but you don't understand. Like, I've hurt people. And I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how they'll respond if I confess. I'm not sure how they'll respond if I repent. So, so maybe I, I just shouldn't do it. I'm not going to do it. Let, let, me, let me ask you this. Because for so many of us, the justification for not apologizing is that people will not take my apology. Can, can I ask you this? I want you to think for a moment about that person in your life that has wronged you. Because in the same breath, we have people that owe us. And I want you now to think, what would you do if that person that owed you something suddenly came and asked for forgiveness? I can't tell you exactly what you would do, but I can, I, I can kind of hypothesize. I can kind of try to predict it, and I think it's this. I think that our hearts would slowly begin to open up. You see, Proverbs chapter 15 puts it like this. It says, a gentle answer, a gentle response, deflects anger. You see, so many of us have these blocks and these barriers and and things are getting worse and we say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to do anything about it. I just believe this to be true. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says kindness leads to repentance. And so I believe this too in the same way when we repent, when we confess, it actually has the ability to change and to restore relationships. It has the ability to change and restore our hearts. You see, here's the beauty of who God is. We serve the God of the turnaround. What God wants to do, God wants to take those dead things in our lives. God wants to take those things that brought us shame and God wants to turn it around. And I just believe this this morning. I believe there are people watching your one conversation from Breakthrough. Your one tough conversation, one confession away from experiencing freedom like you've never experienced before. You see, if guilt says I owe you and the solution is repentance, you want to know what the solution looks like? It's freedom. It's freedom. Because we don't owe anyone anything. I don't have to hide in the dark. Darkness flees in the light. Now listen, we sang a song at the beginning of this message, right before I preached. And the song we sang was very intentional because I wanted it to go with the message. And in that song, we declare a bunch of things. We declare that we serve the God that turns graves into gardens. We serve the God that turns seas into highways, that turns mourning into dancing. God wants to turn things around. But there's one line I want us to see in the song, and there's a reason we're going back to it. There's a reason we're going to worship. We're going to sing it from the top of our lungs, but it's this. In the song, it says, you turn shame into glory. You're the only one that can. You see, the enemy says that your shame belongs with you. You hold it, you hide it, you live with it. But what God says is when we bring shame to light, God will actually turn it around. God can turn shame into glory. I want to share one more verse, then we're closing. It's Ephesians chapter 5. It says this. It says, at one time, in the comments type, at one time, you were in darkness, but now, You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Come on, somebody. We're about to bring our shame into the light. We're about to bring the things inside of us. We're going to bring it out because that's where healing begins. Why don't we pray? 
together. God, thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you so much for what you're doing. God, I pray for every single one of us that feels shame, that feels guilt, that feels like we owe someone something. God, I pray that you restore us. I pray that you just begin to do a new thing, Lord. I pray for the courage to have those conversations, the courage to call people, the courage to to just confess and say, we've fallen short, we've messed up, God. And I just pray that you heal our hearts. We love you, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. Hey, if this message touched you, if it blessed you, we want to hear from you. So head over to kingdomchurch.ca and connect with us today. We can't wait to get to know you. Until next time, take care.